rock around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hall. Hey, baseball fans, Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Christmas episode of the Ball Mitt Podcast. Uh, that intro song is actually uh, three guys called the Baseballs singing Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. So I thought I'd bring in the season with that in our 20th episode. So we have reached this milestone. I'm glad you guys are here to join me. And I have a special guest today, and I think you're going to enjoy the show. Uh, I am joined today with Brian Hansel. He is actually, well, I'll, I'll let him know, I'll let him update you on some of the recent news that's happened in his life. I met him through some writing uh, for one um, news outlet, and now we are with uh, Belly Up Sports doing some baseball. He's a big minor league baseball guru, loves it, knows so much more about it than I do. So I've brought him on to kind of to co-host with me. Uh, I'd like to maybe do this once a a month to have someone come in who knows minor league baseball to to update me to update the listeners. All right, so Brian, what's going on, man? How are you doing this this Friday morning? I'm doing good, Brian. How about yourself? I'm, I'm good. Uh, it's it's another week is done, getting closer to Christmas. I'm a huge Christmas fan. I think I've mentioned that from my first episode back in May. Uh, I just anticipate Christmas uh, all year round. Uh, so I wanted to have you on the show. Congratulations on some news that that maybe you can share, you can't share. Uh, tell the you know the listeners like what you do, what you love. Uh, just introduce yourself a little bit. Here's here's an opportunity to plug whatever you want to plug, even that contest that you're running. So go for it. Perfect. Well, right now I'm the minor league baseball uh, specialist for Belly Up Baseball. Love covering baseball. Always loved it. I love the minor leagues. I love you can try out things, learning something new. Recently got the opportunity with 27 outs baseball. And this year I will be covering the Syracuse Mets. Getting insider, maybe get some little Tebow action, some Peter Alonzo. Also, speaking of the Syracuse Mets or before this year, the Syracuse Chiefs, I am running a contest. If you looked at my pinned tweet on my Twitter account, it's at Hansel Sports. I'm giving away a Deion Sanders bobblehead from the days that primetime was in Syracuse. All you got to do is retweet, like, give me a comment of what made you fall in love with the game. We'll get you three entries. Next Friday, the 21st, I will be drawing a winner for that contest. Well, you've, got a, you've gotten a lot of uh, entries for that. So I'm going to encourage you guys, make sure you comment, like, and retweet so you can get as many entries. But it's actually it's blown up more than maybe we expected, right? I I expected maybe 30, 40 people into it. And as of right now, I've got probably close to 175 entries in it between the three methods. That's awesome, man. Uh, and that, you know, interacting on Twitter is, is huge. Letting people know that the people behind the pen and the microphone are actually real people with families and jobs just like everybody else. I think that that goes a long, long way. Uh, so Brian's here with me today. And we're going to kind of go over a couple things. This is like a Christmas episode. Uh, it's going to be lighthearted, but also we're going we're gonna to talk about some serious stuff. So I, even though I just presented a paradox to you pretty much, uh, we're going to talk about you know the winter meetings actually concluded yesterday. So it was from the 9th through the 13th. And we just want to talk a little bit about some of the impressions that we saw. We There wasn't a lot of huge signings. Uh, obviously, Harper and Machado are kind of the, the big headliners, but there are a ton of free agents uh, this year. And so I wanted to kind of go over some of these, highlight the ones that I thought were important, uh, throw it over to Brian, um, the other Brian, <laughs> to see you know what he thinks of these, add in some things that 
maybe went under the radar that I'm ignoring because you know he's he's got some knowledge that I don't. And then we're actually going to have some time to discuss. We're going to call these. Uh, we, we got five questions for each other. I don't know what his are. He doesn't know what mine. Uh, my questions are. And they're going to be life baseball oriented. So that's going to be towards the end of the show. I'm not going to make you guys stick around to listen to the winter meeting conversation. We're going to do that first. This isn't YouTube. I'm not clickbaiting you. I refuse to do that. Uh, so hopefully you appreciate it. Um, all right. So I'm going to go through. Uh, there wasn't a lot. So I'm going to go through from December 9th through the 13th. And I'm going to highlight some things, uh, it, whether I think it's a good deal or a eh, deal. And then I'll throw it over to Brian. So. Boston Red Sox, they signed their free agent pitcher, uh, Nathan Ovaldi. And I, I think that's important, especially since uh, they, I think they kind of lost somebody. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, Billy Hamilton signed for the Royals for one year, $5.25 million. We also have, so that was the December 10th, moving over to December 11th. Uh, Jordan Lyles, uh, the Pirates signed him from, I think it was, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, was that Colorado? Um, I'm not quite sure, to be honest with you. I think he, it's funny. I actually stumbled upon this uh, on Reddit that Jordan Lyles, when he was pitching for Colorado, he was taking forever. The, the Cardinals announcers were kind of like almost booing him because it took a minute and a half to throw two pitches and get a single. A minute and a half because he moves so slow. And so the cameraman, you'll find this interesting, Brian, the cameraman was actually... Uh, showing the different fielders like Nolan Arenado, uh, Trevor Story, a couple others, while they were trying to wait on the pitch. And one, I think it was the first baseman, uh, so I don't know who it was at that time, uh, actually quickly checked his pulse <laughs> when the camera uh, was on him. So he had no clue, you know, the camera was on him, but the timing was perfect. And I just thought that was some type of uh, comedic relief. Did you see that at all? I didn't see that, but that's hilarious. That's, that's why you need the pitch clock. Yeah, well, okay, we can we can get into that a little a little later because um, I'm I'm not sure where I sit on that. I've kind of made fun of it in the past, but yeah, I'm starting to see it. Okay, uh, and anytime, man, if you if you just want to say pitch clock, and we'll go off on that. Uh, let's see, Philly signed Andrew McCutcheon for three years, fifty million. I think that's huge. Uh, the Blue Jays released Troy Tulowitzki. It's about time. Uh, the Yankees signed a J.A. Happ to two years, thirty-four million. Uh, the Rangers signed uh, Lance Lynn for three years for thirty million. The Rays signed Charlie Morton for two years, again, $30 million. Uh, the Mets signed Familia back, um, or I think to return for three years at $30 million. And then the big one, I, I think a huge one, the Dodgers signed uh, right-handed pitcher Joe Kelly to three-year, a $25 million contract. And that's, he, he was in Boston, and so he's going to the team that they beat in the playoffs. So that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. And then there was a huge three-way deal uh, with the Mariners and the Rays, and I think it was the Mets uh, involving Edouard Encarnacion and some cash, uh, and then Carlos Santana as well. So that's you know there were there were a couple other smaller signings. Uh, did you did you know of any that I've missed or ones that you thought were more important that I'm kind of ignoring? Um, the big thing that three team trade was actually the Rays, the Mariners, and the Indians. Indians. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry. That's fine. I'll allow it. <laughs> okay. Did you mention Ivan Nova going to the White Sox? No, I didn't. It's here, but I, I missed over that. I mean, it's nothing huge, but that's another one of those signings that pretty good signing for the White Sox. Maybe, maybe it's their time to compete. 
Do you think any of these are super significant that changes a particular team? I like the Joe Kelly trade. It'll be interesting to see what the Dodgers do with him because it seemed like in the playoffs last year, particularly the World Series, Joe Kelly stopped throwing a slider and he went a fastball curveball kind of thing. So I'm wondering if the Dodgers think that's something that he's going to eliminate the slider or use it less and they saw him. He's got better command with the curveball fastball, but I think that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on this year. All right. Any, I like the McCutcheon trade. I, I've always liked the Phillies. I still think Machado or Bryce uh, Harper is going to end up in Philly. That's just a, that's a gut. I, I have no evidence <laughs> to support that. Uh, it'd be cool to see that as well. Um, I thought that was, that was pretty big. I'm curious about the McCutcheon deal. How, I mean, he's not, he's a great hitter. His defense is hit or miss, and they've had some issues with Rise Hoskins out there and his defense. So I'm wondering if it's going to get better playing in that ballpark. Hmm. Like you're maybe just trading uh, defense for offense and vice versa. And so whatever you put out there, you're going to have a significant hole one way or the other. That's what I, that's my opinion on it. I mean, I could be proved completely wrong, which it has happened in the past, but <laughs> all right. I I did so so that's just really kind of all that happened. I'm sure there's some other things that some see more important because maybe it's your home team that did something and you follow them more closely. So, you know, comment on that uh, once this goes live, but there are a couple of things that I wanted to these little hot takes, the shotgun questions here that I wanted to throw towards Brian. And there are some things that are that are brewing. And so a couple of them are, well, one, and we'll just go one by one with these. The Mets are interested in Adam Jones. What do you think of that? Do you think he will go? Do you think he'll resign with Baltimore? Do you think that's uh, you know, a reality? Because teams are interested in everybody. So that really doesn't mean much. But what do you think about maybe Adam Jones uh, being in New York? I think you're going to like my take on this. I don't think Adam Jones is going anywhere. I think he's going to re-sign in Baltimore. He seems like that kind of guy. He's just he's going to stick with his team. I mean, he's been there all those years, and you know, there there's been years of suffering. And I think he's just going to be dedicated to the team, and I think he'll come back to Baltimore. Yeah, I I had it's it's kind of funny. You want to be able to separate your gut, like what you want and what you think will happen. And so I'm a little biased, but the fact that you mentioned that lets me know. Okay. I have the right feeling. You know what I think would be awesome is if Nick Markakis came back because the Orioles are notorious. Now, that was the old resume, but the Orioles were notorious for bringing back returning players. I think they brought Rafael Palmero back two and three different times, BJ Surhoff. We decided to grab Sammy Sosa at the end of his career, uh, Will Clark. Uh, they just do this, it, almost for like, like a nostalgia factor. So Jones, you know, Chris Davis is still there. I think they, he's not going to have as bad of a year again as he did last year. I, I hope not. Fingers crossed. But, you know, that would be a good Adam Jones, Chris Davis, and then get Marcakis. That would be kind of a cool veteran crew for all of these maybe newer players that they're wanting to bring in. Uh, I don't know. That's just throwing that out there. And then let's see. We got Kimbrell is pushing a deal. He, he wants at least $100 million. Do you think that he gets that anywhere? No, I don't. I, I don't think he he showed in the playoffs. He doesn't. His stuff didn't play out all year. I don't think he's he'll get a deal. He's not. I don't think he'll get a hundred million though. 
Now, do you think it's not $100 million because of he's not worth that amount of money or he's not going to get that type of long contract or both? I don't think he'll get the long contract. I think it's it's going to be you've got to prove that you can do it all year. Yeah, he closed out the World Series games, but I don't think he had the stuff to be that lockdown closer that's going to get a big, long deal. Yeah, and I think that's important because whenever you uh, play well for a team, but but right before free agency, it matters. Like that second half of the year matters more than the first half of the year. I mean, that whole year does matter. But with Kimbrell, it just seemed like he, yeah, he was not as dumb. If he was, if it was a, if he was a closer at any other team in that situation, I don't know if they come out on top. I think he would cause them to kind of lose games, but this was Boston. New Boston just had the offensive prowess and and the strategy behind them where Kimbrell could trip up a little bit and them still, still be okay. You agree or disagree with that? I completely agree. I mean, look at that extra inning game that Avaldi just pitched until I thought his arm was going to fall off. He he just went for it. Yep, and that and he's and he's getting paid for that now. So uh, let's see here another third one here. Rockies are discussing a trade for Blue Jays smoke. Now I've been in Denver for about four or five months, and so I obviously, but you know, tr- tr- watching baseball even when I was in North Carolina. Who was is it? Ian Desmond, I think, was at first base. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> so we there's a there's a huge podcast following for the Rockies called the Purple Dinosaur, and they just ripped Desmond apart every time he came up to ba- uh, bat, every time on the field. I, I thought it was awesome. So I'm kind of wanting to see this happen. I think it. I think it could. Uh, I think Smoke is a is a good pickup, and I don't think he's going to be very expensive. I, what are your thoughts? I agree with you. I, I, I've seen him. I'm a big Yankees fan, if you don't know that. And it seemed like every time he came up to bat, he was destroying the Yankees pitchers. It seemed like he hit a home run every other at bat. So I think it would be a great pickup, especially playing up there in Colorado. Oh, yeah. I, I keep forgetting about the advantage that we have for 81 games. You know, that ball is just going to – that's going to sail. Uh, let's see here. A fourth one here is the Phillies remain uh, in pursuit of Andrew Miller. What do you think? Depends on what Miller is going to show up. Is it going to be the Andrew Miller of two years ago? I don't think you're going to get that anymore. I think he's he's done that. I think he's showing he'll come in in any situation, but you can't expect him four or five days in a row to come in one day in the seventh, one day in the eighth, one day in the ninth, one day in the third. You got to give him more of a set role, but I think he can still be a good reliever. I don't think he, you're going to get that lockdown reliever like he had in 2016. Well, and that I think a move for Philly would actually would be beneficial more for him than it would be Philly. Like, like I think Miller needs this new Phillies look that they're going for more than the Phillies really need Miller. I, I remember when he was in Baltimore for I think just half a year. He was a, a trade deadline trade in 2000 and. 14, I think, when we went and got swept by the Royals in the uh, championship series. That was a surprise. We lost every game by one run. But anyway, um, so yeah, I, I don't, I haven't seen that type of Andrew Miller. Like he came in every game and it would shut down for at least an inning or two. And you're just not going to see that anymore from, from him. So I'm right there with you. And then the Indians. 
uh, trading Kluber or Bauer or both. What are they thinking? What do you think is going through their mind? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Do you not care? <laughs> oh, I definitely care. It makes the offseason go a little quicker. I, d- I don't understand do they just realize that they're not one of the they're not the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Astros, and they're pretty much competing for to face a wild card team? I don't know what they're doing because they can they can run away with that division, but it's like they realize they can still win the division and get pieces for the future. Yeah, I don't know who. Let's see. I, I read an article of someone that's trying to explain their madness on ESPN plus I wasn't going to pay for it. I'm already paying for the athletic money grubbing official writers. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, so I'm not sure who actually wrote that article, but there's some explanation on what maybe they're trying to do. Uh, Maybe you out there uh, listeners might have some idea. It's, it's almost like they need to, they, they are pretty much a wild card team. And what I mean by that is yes, they're going to win their division, but I think they were the fourth worst team in the AL this year um, with only 89 wins. So that, that was also a reason for me thinking that you should reseed the teams after the wild card. But that's, I've already talked about that. That's an, another discussion we can get into. So awesome thoughts, man. It, it's, it's an exciting time, but I, I was following it loosely. So I mentioned Bridget McCauley, who's also doing some editing with uh, Belly Up Baseball and Belly Up Sports. She was actually at the winter meetings, and so I interacted with her a little bit. She had a she had a blast. So maybe we'll we'll get her back on the show uh, to kind of talk about that. But I didn't expect any big names uh, to be traded during uh, this time. You're you're. I think all the teams are waiting for the other teams to do something because now there's it's like I'm, everybody's on the same page with strategies, and so then all the players are waiting for the for the best you know deals. They, obviously, there's a team that you probably really want to go to. Uh, and, and this is, I, I bring this up because it, I thought this was very interesting. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but um, Bryce Harper made a comment on a White Sox uh, tweet. And so everybody is going nuts. Did you, did you read this at all? No, I haven't read that. Okay, so on Nikki Del Monaco's Instagram, people are throwing... You know, wiffle ball on the beach. Well, Bryce makes a comment: wiffle ball on the beach with Sox fans doesn't get much better. I'm just like, oh boy, and 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 so now Sox fans are going crazy. He's not going to Chicago, at least not that Chicago. What do you think? Silly, mm-hmm. stupid people need to a life. <laughs> I think people are just reaching for stuff now. <laughs> Bryce Harper is going to go to a contender. You've got a. I'm not saying the White Sox aren't going to be a contender in the. 10-year frame that Bryce Harper is going to get a contract for, but he doesn't want to go to a team that, oh, I can't say this officially, but I don't think he wants to go to a team that he is going to have to build a couple of years before they get there. No, I absolutely, absolutely agree. All right, so Brian, being Mr. Minor League Baseball here, anything that you saw, or not even, well, you know, let's, t- let's take it outside even the winter meetings. Uh, anything that you saw that happened even before or things that you potentially have heard or can see or would like to see in the realm of minor league baseball. Uh, this is, you know, your time, spend as much time as you want to on it. Uh, let us know, you know, what could we possibly see next year? Um, any, any, anything like that? Vlad Guerrero Jr. Just that's the exciting part, but 
on a serious note, the Rule 5 draft was yesterday. And I don't know if the people know what the Rule 5 draft is, but in order to be eligible for the Rule 5 draft, the player ha- if they were signed before they're 18, they have to be playing professionally for five years. Or if they were 19 or older, it's a total of four years. And what happens is if a player is drafted in the Rule 5 draft, they have to remain on the team's 25-man roster for the entirety of the year, barring no uh, injuries or anything. And it doesn't matter how old, what level they've played at. So what I find interesting was the Blue Jays actually selected the Kansas City Royals 23rd overall prospect, Elvis Luciano. And he's a pitcher. He's only played in rookie ball. He's 18 years old. And now the Blue Jays have to keep him on the roster the entire year. So it's more of a, oh, we're going to use him in a low leverage situation. But it's just crazy to think 18 years old and this kid's guaranteed to be in the majors for the entire season. Well, wasn't there some discrepancy or or debate over how a team can keep a player in the minors to have him one more year I, i'm probably explaining that wrong but do you know what i'm t- referring to are you talking about like what happens every year where the service time they wait until april the end of april to bring the player up so they get that one extra yes. year exactly uh, yes there's always debates about it you had acuna last year it's it's not great for baseball in general you want to put the best product out there and this year is going to be a prime example i will almost bet my life savings that you will not see vlad guerrero jr until the end of april so the blue jays can get that one extra year of service time in them it's 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 a terrible thing to do but i mean in the end it's a business and if this kid's going to be a stud like everyone says he's going to be why wouldn't you wait three weeks to get them for a whole extra year, especially in that American League East where you're really going to be pushing to get into the playoffs. So is three weeks really going to hurt your entire season? Well, and what's what's the benefit of them? I know they get to keep him for another year, but why why would you want to keep him for another year if they can make the Major League Ball Club successful? Why keep him in the minors one more year? What is that? What does that do? Does it extend their rookie contract? Explain that. It it extends their arbitration time. So what happens is you get a certain amount of time before you can be arbitration eligible. So the team's saving money, if whether it's the league minimum or they can kind of negotiate from there, but they're saving by, from not having to pay that player millions of dollars when he's – you know, 23, 24 years old. They're trying to get the player for as long as they can, as cheap as they can. Okay, so as long as they can, as cheap as they can, that that would definitely be incentive <laughs> to, to do that. So yeah, I didn't think about the whole arbitration and, and that low amount of money um, that, that comes with that. Okay, that, that definitely makes sense. So yeah, as a business, yeah, I get keeping him for those three weeks because the season's not going to be won or lost in three weeks unless you're the night, the 2018 Orioles. Then that your season very well may be over by April. Um, <laughs> it's funny as someone made a comment to me that I am very unbiased towards my team. 
and some other podcasts usually have a strong bias towards their team and then they cover other teams a little bit. But I'm the opposite. Like, well, I hammer on the Orioles uh, only because maybe I'm trying to avoid being extra biased, but at the same time, like, I don't hate them. I love them. I, I love, you know, growing up north of Baltimore, actually a small place called Carroll County, uh, where our three little towns were called Westminster, Manchester, and Hampstead. Uh, Lord Baltimore, all that fun stuff. So I, I love the Orioles. I just temper my expectations because every year I get disappointed. And, and you'd think I'd learn by now, but no, I have not. Uh, all right, so they're actually a top 20. I want to talk about the remaining, not really talk, but just list off the remaining f- huge free agents that have yet to be signed. And then I wanted to talk real quick about Tony LaRussa and Harold Baines. And this is um very interesting. But real quick, the... I'd say top 20 according to the score.com. I love this site. love the mobile app. It's, in my opinion, it's a lot better user-friendly than ESPN's app. So score, if you're listening to this, um, you know, there you go. All right, so Manny Machado, still available. Bryce Harper, uh, Michael Brantley. Uh, Josh Donaldson's been signed. Um, Yasmini Grandal has been is still out there. Jed Lowry, uh, Daniel Murphy, Wilson Ramos. Uh, Nelson Cruz, he's 38. I still think he would be a good one-year pickup, to be honest with you. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez, A.J. Pollock, which the Diamondbacks are, are wanting to move him. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon was signed. Uh, Nick Markakis, I talked about him. Love to see him in Baltimore. Uh, Mike Moustakis, I completely forgot that he was a free agent. Uh, Brian Dozier, uh, Steve Pierce was signed uh, by Boston. D.J. LeMahieu, I really hope he comes back to, uh, to Colorado. Then Jonathan LaCroix. Or Luke Croy, however you want to say it, Estrubu uh, Cabrera, and then Matt Adams are kind of like your your top twenty. So after those signings, it's like top sixteen or seventeen. Um, do you think any of that, anybody else should be added in there, or do you see any one of those players like you know for sure they're going to go to a certain team, or is it all just up in the air right now? I think everything's just up in the air right now. The winter meetings used to be something where you know the teams would get together and you know talk and get ideas but it seems like now the winter meetings are just sit in your hotel room and text the same people you were going to text when you were at home so it it seems like it's a crazy concept now well and also what wasn't one of the deals the three-way deal with the mariners the indians and ah, nuts i forgot indians man and then oh rays that's right rays wasn't that deal done with somebody uh, in his in the hospital bed or something like that? Am I am I did I yeah. read that right? Okay, Capoto was making deals from the hospital bed. He was having some sort of issues in his chest. I don't know if it was exactly a heart. I don't want, but I know he's doing better now. But he was wheeling and dealing from his hospital bed. Well, there you go. That's that's what we've come to nowadays with. With our phones, and it, it's funny. I've and this has nothing to do with baseball, but I'm gonna put it in here. I, I'm part of. I guess I'm a millennial, so I'm 35. I was born in 83, and there is this subset of millennials. I forget what they're calling them, but it's like if you're born between 78 and 86, it's like you appreciate the traditions of the previous generation. Like I am. You guys might not know this. As a member of Amazon Prime, you get a free subscription to baseball America's digital publication, which I did not know about. So there you go. But I can't stand reading books on my Kindle. I got rid of my Kindle because of that. I would much rather have a book or a magazine, but at the same time, I always have my phone with me because of updates and emails and that type of thing. So 
I, I, I understand that's just kind of the life that we are living now, but part of me is a little sad that life has gone on, and I guess this is what you get for growing old. Uh, anyway, Tony LaRosa. Well, let's, let's back that up a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go through this, and uh, Brian, I want to make you have you comment first. So Harold Baines was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and no one really likes this. He's a good player. You know, he, he, some even call, consider him a great player, but is he the great of the greats? Is he a Hall of Famer? And good old Christopher Russo, MLB Network's high heat. At first when he talked, I was like, this is painstaking. I cannot deal with this anymore. It's ridiculous. And I thought it was just a persona like they have like, uh, what is it? Pardon the interruption. There's no way they are always in disagreement. It's, it's, all an, it's an act. It's entertaining. It's great. Uh, they kind of know their stuff, but it is an act. But I thought that's what it was with Christopher Russo until he was on, uh, I think he was being interviewed by Brian Kenny, and he's still kind of just as loud and boisterous. That's fine. I think he's from your neck of the woods, Brian. But he made a comment that he does not think that Harold Baines should be in the Hall of Fame at all. So then LaRussa, good old Tony LaRussa, chimes in. He says, I would love to get into a legitimate confrontation or debate where we pull out the stuff we looked at and that weak, superficial bull you look at. And, and so I'm, I'm reading this from Yahoo Sports, written by Mark Townsend. I've actually uh, quoted him before. And he makes a comment about Tony discussing the, the superficial, weak stuff. And um, Townsend, makes, he makes this comment. He says, do you mean advanced stats, Tony? And so what what we're seeing here is the the old heads of baseball and now people saying Bain shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because he didn't do what current stat casts and sabermetrics and analytics have done. And so you've got, there's two competing issues, and I think these will always be competing until, I don't know, 10 or 15 years down, down the line. But... What do you think of this, Brian? And then I'll pose a, another question on top of that. Do you think Hall of Famers should be chosen based upon the stats and what they've done in the context of the game that they were playing? Like, is it fair to look at Harold Baines' career using advanced statistics when they weren't around when he was playing to determine how great of a player he was? Does that make sense? Yeah, it completely makes sense. I don't think they should be 100% based on today's newfangled metrics. But in all honesty, Harold Baines, if you look at his numbers, he put up some good numbers, but he played for 21 years. I mean, yeah, part of it is, you know, he played for 21 years. He, that That's impressive to be able to play a game for that long. But when you looking at the numbers when you add up everything and you're looking at what he did on a average i just i don't see him being a hall of fame candidate and i think that's why he fell off the ballot to begin with yeah that's that's the same point that this article makes is it it took him um i, I technically 22 years to be just as productive as other players did in almost half the time yeah, Tony LaRusso, he's sticking up for someone he watched play and and he was managing while he was playing. And again, may, maybe a little bit of the eye test. So now with college football, we're using more of, well, they say they're using more of the eyeball test. I, I, don't, I still don't believe it. But 
this is maybe what Tony Lewis is saying. Like, hey, you didn't watch this guy play like I did. There's something I'm seeing that your analytics aren't seeing. And I, I just, I'm not big into, well, it's funny. I, I want to say I'm not big into drama. But uh, so my sister and I, we had uh, a place together in Raleigh. My sister and I are like best friends. And we had uh, two Bolivian sisters staying with us. We had an extra bedroom as they kind of got acclimated to the new culture, get their dual citizenship, get a job, loved having them. They became family. And uh, one of them, their English was was getting better and better as they stayed. And I might I might even let them listen to this podcast because I'm talking to them. Uh, Nicole, Karina, I miss you guys. Anyway, they would always, whenever I would talk about, you know, liking some girl or talking to some girl or or whatever, a situation at work where it was involving a coworker, they'd always think I would drum it up to be more than it really is. And so Karina would always say, drama, drama, drama. And then my sister's like, exactly. Finally, someone agrees with me that Brian is dramatic. And I got to the point where I just decided to embrace it. And in this in this era, when you talk about sports and your voice is something and it's it's being out there for the public to listen to, you kind of have to be dramatic a little bit because I've lift, listened to some podcasts where it's just boring. And so you have to have a personality. So all of that to say, I love how Tony decided to just open his mouth and, and get this controversy going. Are you right there with me or are you just like, oh, Brian, stop, stop being such a drama queen? No, I... I completely agree with you. It's nice that, you know, you have a strong opinion and someone's going to stick up for you. Whether, I mean, you can debate it all day, but that's part of the whole concept. You you can debate it till the cows come home. He's going to be a Hall of Famer regardless. So it doesn't matter what we say. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I'm glad. I, I, I'm, I'm appreciative of your confirmation. So, all right, guys. So we, we kind of covered the winter meetings and what we think is going to happen. It, it's kind of hard to predict where anyone's going to go. Even Brian was like, it's it's all up in the air as far as where someone lands. And that's very exciting. And I don't think we'll see any news until, gosh, maybe even late January, to be honest with you. I, I, think, I think there are going to be some players that are going to go well into spring training and not be on a team, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but I think we're actually going to see it. Now, this is kind of our Christmas episode, and as I mentioned at the beginning, Brian and I actually have some questions for each other, and you know, and, and the reason why the questions are with Christmas is, you know, I'm going to give him five questions, he's going to give me five answers. So that's that's the close, the best tie-in that I could make uh, to make this a, a fun uh, episode before we're we're silent for you know until the until the new year because I want to break and I want to spend some time with my family, as I'm sure you guys do as well. So. Brian, I'm going to let you ask me your first question because I kind of threw you into this. The floor is yours. All right. So I'm going to go deep on the first question here. So what do you think was something in your life that specifically molded you to be the person that you are today? Okay. okay all right. Get laying down on the couch here. Uh, I'm going to be paying my therapist. Um, okay. So it was. there's been many moments in my life. Uh, whether I was through high school, college, but one of the biggest ones is I made some stupid, stupid decisions. I, I was over in South Korea teaching for a little bit and decided to come home early, uh, earlier than I should have, and I did not do it the right way. Uh, and it was because you know my heart was not in teaching in Korea; my heart was back in the states uh, for somebody, which is we've all done it. But that's not the point. Uh, so my relationship with my parents was a little strained, uh, not because of anything that they did; it was completely my fault. And so. 
my dad has always encouraged me to continue moving forward, to always keep my eyes going north, not looking back at the mistakes I've made, but but looking towards and getting guidance for from those people uh, that are important in my life. And so he gave me this this compass, and on it was uh, a piece of scripture that says, you know, this is the way, walk in it. Pretty much saying, hey, keep your eyes on the prize, keep your eyes on God, and as long as you're doing that. Regardless of what troubles come your way, uh, you're going to have that guidance. And it was an, it was actually an old German compass that he got from an antique store. He engraved it on there. He gave it to me Christmas Eve. And that is probably the best gift that I've ever gotten, but it's also the best reminder. So this was 2009. And I haven't always followed it, but I, I still have it. Uh, I still look at it. It's, it's, a, it's a great action. It needs to be cleaned up a little bit. But it's really helped me to see, okay, regardless of your circumstances. And, and this is kind of cool for a Christmas type of episode because – there are people who really struggle during this time. They, they get sad, that season, uh, seasonal affective disorder. It happens around this time. And my encouragement is, and what can mold you, is regardless of what's going on, regardless of what people have done to you, that does not define who you are. Uh, the mistakes that you've made, uh, they do not define you who you are as long as you're moving forward and you're being corrected by that. And so everything that I do, whether it's looking for a job, whether it's interacting with people, I always make sure at the end of the day, uh, that uh, I know where I stand, and no matter what people have done to me or I have done, uh, that is not who defines me. And so that that gives me a huge uh, purpose in life because it allows me not to let circumstances depict my mood and find my identity and my joy. And I think you know, with this life, a lot of stuff sucks. It really does. Um, but this is the best way that I can to not ignore the issues in my life. Uh, I'm not saying you know sweep them under the rug, but to deal with them and understand that they they do make you into a better person, uh, but they also uh, are not truly indicative of of what you can you can do. And that that's a that's a long answer. Uh, it's a great question. Um, so let's see. You gave me a personal one first. So okay, this is this is cool. This is a like I said, Christmas episode, uh, which is a time to celebrate family and to think about what's most important. Uh, in life, which to me is one of the most important things in life is love. And the best way to demonstrate love is by giving. So what has been the greatest thing done for you that's shaped you? It's cool that we kind of had the same question. And then what's the greatest thing you've done for someone else? So the greatest thing to to shape me uh, to be who I am now is actually from my grandfather. Uh, he was a big influence on my life. My father wasn't always around. So he was kind of like my father figure and he would, we would just sit there. We'd be watching baseball games and he, we would be going through talking about the stats and everything. And he would just look at me and say, you know what? Set your mind, go. It doesn't matter how you get there, do it the right way. And you will, you'll be happy in life. You don't need millions of dollars. You need to find that person that makes you happy. And that's what I've done in my life. I just specifically remember that all the time, just thinking about those words that he left me with before he had passed on. And it's, it's a great thing. Something that I've given to somebody was recently, actually it was this year for Christmas was it's not something I did specifically, but I actually got a medium to come for my sister. She's always had some hard times and issues after my grandmother has passed away. And when this medium came 
she actually was able to connect with my grandmother and my grandmother was telling my sister how proud she is of her and how much she's succeeding in life and how she's doing what she's always wanted to do. She's a teacher with uh, special needs students and that's something she's always wanted to do. And just knowing that my grandmother is proud of her, that was, I mean, it's not a gift that I was able to give her specifically, but I feel like I helped bring that to her. Yeah. Any, any time that you're, you can find a way to allow your parents or your grandparents to show that you're proud of them. Uh, you can't go wrong with that. Uh, so that, that's cool, man. All right. My question, uh, number two, give it to me. So I know you were a baseball player growing up. I know you were a catcher. Um, what was one of your favorite memories of your days playing baseball? Oh, this is good. Okay. So as I mentioned, I played for two small Christian schools. So we're like equivalent to a really good high school team. And, um, I had, there were, it was actually two plays, uh, against the same team, uh, during two different games. Uh, one was, I was getting a relay from center field, center fielder threw it to shortstop, shortstop threw it to me. I had a guy that was trying to score from actually from first, cause it was a, a, a ball off the wall. And as he's throwing it home, I'm anticipating the runner to slide to the outside of the, well, when I say outside the bag, if you're coming home from third, yeah, it would be outside. So the, the backstop towards where the umpire would be. So I'm expecting him to do one of those slides out there and extend his arm. So as I caught the ball without even looking, I started leaning and jumping towards the back part of the plate when in reality he was going to just run me over. And uh, he did just that. He ran me over. I fell straight on my backside. And as I'm falling back, I'm seeing the white of the ball creeping out of my catcher's mitt. I'm like, I am not losing this. So I just held that glove right into my chest, just squished it there, held onto it for dear life, uh, kept the ball. He was out. But the funny thing was he stepped over me onto home plate, almost like, yeah, I knocked you down. I scored. And I just stood up and I held the ball. And then he walked away sheepishly. So that was kind of cool. And then uh, I think it was like two games later when we're playing it at our home field, um, another relay from center field to the shortstop, almost same exact play, different player. But this time, uh, the runner coming home actually was doing the outside slide extended arm. And I actually saw him out of the corner of my eye. He was a smaller guy. And if you've ever seen me, at that point, I was like 250. I'm about five foot nine. So I'm the guy they put behind home plate. Maybe not necessarily because he's great, but because he's going to stop things indirectly or unintentionally because he's a big dude. So I, I have never stretched out. So I think I pulled a couple of muscles uh, trying to tag him out. And as I tagged his arm, all I heard the umpire saying was, show me the ball, show me the ball, show me the ball. And I was able to in that, in that end of the inning. Um, we ended up losing the game in extra innings, which, which really stunk. But those two moments were really cool because I was like, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm decent at this. Maybe it's just not me playing for a team that's okay. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's very exciting, man. And getting, getting bowled over by a guy who's like half your size, I was like, I have to hold on to this ball. If not, I'm just going to be so embarrassed. So, you know, there we have it. All right. Who is the most person, famous person you have interacted with? Uh, it, may, it might just not be like met, but maybe just been in the same room or had a small conversation. And if you haven't, who would you actually like to meet in this way? So funny story. Growing up, I'm sure you remember, he played for the Braves, the second baseman, Mark Lemke. And... I was dating a girl and she says, Oh, I'm going to go over to my aunt and uncle's house. I'm like, all right, I'll come. 
we get over there and I'm seeing all these pictures on the wall. And I was like, who's your cousin? She goes, Oh, that's my cousin, Mark. I go, Oh, the Mark that plays for the Braves. She's like, yeah, he should be home in a couple minutes if you want to stay and meet him. And that was just an awesome way to meet an awesome player. He was so down to earth and absolutely loved interacting with him. He was talking baseball with him for probably two, two and a half hours that day. I was like a kid in a candy shop. Wow. That that's a rarity. Like it's <laughs> what I like to stay and meet him. He'll be home soon. Of course. Did, did that girl even know you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, really? Come on. Um, all right. I'll throw one at you. Another one at you. If baseball did not exist, and I think I know the answer to this, but if baseball did not exist, what sport would you have wanted to play or report, report on and how come? Uh, it would definitely be hockey. I've, I've played some high. I haven't played hockey very well, but I've played some pickup hockey here and there throughout college. And growing up, one of my best friends had an ice rink in his backyard. So he taught me to skate and we were going back and forth all winter. We'd be out there on the rink. Uh, I, I think hockey is a great sport. It's just nonstop action and there's so much going on. You could be watching at once. And, and I mean, and there's fights. So that's pretty cool too. But hockey would definitely be my sport of choice if baseball didn't exist. I'm right there with you. I agree. I don't know why, but usually if someone likes baseball, a lot of times they like hockey. And I think it's just has so much skill with it. Not that the other sports don't, but it's just a unique type of skill. All right. Lay it on me, man. Question number three. All right. So I want to know, do you get into all the advanced stats of baseball or are you more of a traditional purist and you just like to watch the game for the game oh i think you did this to me on purpose um because we've we've had conversations about this you know especially after the last episode i've done about the shift and how my views on the shift shifted uh, pun intended i'm i don't i don't see why both cannot coexist i don't think the advanced statistics they're they're more of hindsight in my opinion so players aren't play. I think I either I heard this from someone. I don't think I came up with it, but I but I agreed with it. And it might have just been a discussion I had with a friend. But stats are not. You don't. A player doesn't play towards stats. Like, oh man, what was my launch angle on that? You know, or man, how many you know wins above replacement do I have? So they're obviously they're called an, analytics because they're they analyze what a player has done. And so it's it's really good for maybe drafting players or assessing them, but in the moment, the ball players aren't thinking about that. Uh, they're thinking about instincts, uh, the gut reaction, using their raw skill. So it's, I think they, I think they're not they're not ex- they're not mutually exclusive in my opinion. They can both coexist. I just think that neither one of them are the the silver bullet. But with that being said, a lot of baseball purists, which traditionally I've kind of aligned myself with because I am more all about you know life and the stories and in the moments types of things with baseball. That's kind of the, the, the mantra of this podcast. You won't hear me talking a ton about you know what this player did in this game and, or what their stats have been in the past seven games. Not that it's not important. It's just you know there's a lot of people who talk about that and I wanted to go in a different direction. But I do think us old baseball heads and purists need to lighten up. But we really need to lighten up and understand that this is the way the game is going. You can fight it, but you're not going to get anywhere. 
and let's try to embrace certain things and, and even allowing uh, these new stats and advanced analytics for the people who truly focus on those. Let them see that there there's still some things they can gain from us other than old cantankerous scrooges that they think that we are because we kind of act like that. When you've got these these color commentators um, in the booth complaining about the game has changed, that's the only side that people remember about baseball purists. Like we need to we need to get over it. We really do, uh, and just you know swallow our pride and, and move forward. So they can coexist. That's what, what do you? I want to throw that question back at you. What do you think about that? No, I I completely agree with you, and you, you've got to realize live the game or live the moment, play the game. You're right. People aren't going up there thinking, oh, if I hit the ball at a 32 degree angle, you know, with this amount of speed, it's going to go here. They're they're just trying to hit the ball. I mean, yeah, there's some guys that can put where they're put the ball where they want, but you need to realize you're right. It's more of an analytical trying to get the best draft or look at what a player's done in these situations for, you know, say a playoff game while there's second and third and two outs. Who's most likely to slap the ball down the left field line to get a runner in or how's the outfielder's arm? But I think you got to kind of got to go in it with both uh, schools of thought. Yeah, no, that's good. I'm glad we're on the on the same page there. No, no contention. Here. Okay, so for the sake of time, man, it's been 50 minutes. I don't want to keep you any longer or my listeners. Uh, I try to shoot for 30 minutes, but that has not help, helped uh, happen in the past five or six episodes, which is fine. Hopefully everybody's entertained. Uh, so I'm going to pick one question out of the last two, uh, and then you can do the same for me. Who do you think is the greatest baseball pitcher, fielder, and hitter? So the, the three best in those positions. Hmm. I think the best hitter... I might be a little biased. I grew up with this, but I got to go with Ken Griffey Jr. on hitter. It was just, it was maybe it's the swing, the sweetest swing in baseball, hands hands down. But I, I think he was one of the best um, pitcher. Oh, that's a that's a good one. Let's go. Hopefully, the first uh, unanimous Hall of Famer. I'll go with Mariano Rivera. And fielder, I really liked what. Uh, Chipper Jones did in the '90s, playing the hot corner for the Braves. I, I, he was he was great to watch. The Braves were always on. It was between the Braves and the Yankees growing up, and the Braves were a fun team to watch in the '90s. And I grew up. I played some third base, and I always molded my style after Chipper Jones. And I think he played some good defense there. Very admirable picks. All right, man, give me your last question, and then um, then I'll throw it back to you again for you to you tell everybody anything. Plug your channel again, plug your work, uh, and then we'll end it uh, on that. All right, so I'm going to go with a fun one here. I think I know the answer, but i got to bring up at least one minor league topic here. So recently on MILB.com, Benjamin Hill, who does the Ben's Biz blog, did an article where he focused on the best logos in the minor leagues and breaking it down by every level. Not going to ask you to get that crazy, but what do you think is the best logo in minor league baseball? Well, I think you know my answer uh, just because we've talked about it so much and because it's so fresh on my mind. Um, I love the new Rocky Mountain vibes. Even just having the fire be... Uh, the the letters and the Colorado symbol is in there, and then you got the s'more. I mean, that guy is just 
you know, he's just got so much uh, swag. I guess that's what the kids say. Um, he's just, you know, a little little peace sign up there, just looking cool. I know there's controversy um, based upon all the, you know, the some of the local fires and stuff like that. I, I'm pretty sure that was considered when making this logo, and and apparently they move forward. I. I'm not going to say you can't be offended by that. You, you've got a right to be, but I don't think this was insensitive, but that that's just me. And of course, I had to get into something controversial on a simple question. Uh, I really, I almost want to say Durham Bulls maybe, but it almost looks too much like the Denver Broncos. I really enjoyed the Rocky Mountain vibes. And then also the latest um, Trash Pandas. The Rocket City Trash Pandas. I like that. Yeah, the Trash Pandas. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's... A little panda it reminds me of like because the Muppet Christmas Carol is like my favorite Christmas movie. Reminds me of you know puppets because Oscar the Grouch is in a trash can and so I don't know just resonated with me. What about you? What's your favorite? Oh well, we all know how I like the vibes, the the toasty marshmallow. It's just I like that you don't know. It. So this marshmallow, I I go on tangents because this is what goes through my head. Is the mascot actually a marshmallow and he wears the graham cracker chocolate crust or is he just one big s'more? What? <laughs> this is what goes through my head at night. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't even think about that. It's a marshmallow in a s'more costume. Right. Like when he goes home at night, is, does he just get to take off the graham cracker and relax with his little s'more limbs or his marshmallow limbs? Dude, that's that's the perfect thing to end on. That's uh, you know what we're gonna as soon as we get off, uh, we're gonna go on to Belly Up Baseball and we're gonna make that a, po- a Twitter poll, and, and see what people think, and we'll we'll get the we'll get the consensus on if you think he actually is a s'more or if he's just a marshmallow wearing a s'more costume. I love it. Go get your votes in for that. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's definitely. A <laughs> it is. I'm serious. You'd be surprised at the amount of votes that certain things get over something serious. Because people just, they just need a break sometimes for being so serious and just a lighthearted uh, Twitter poll. So we're going to do that. All right, guys. Brian, I appreciate you being on the show and giving all of your input and your expertise in minor league baseball. Uh, just let everybody know where they can find you, some of the work that you're doing. Um, you know, mention your, your contest one more time, and then we'll end on that. All right. Well, once again, you can find me on Twitter at Hansel Sports. You'll find all sorts of minor league, major league baseball news. Get some hockey news here once in a while, too. Uh, You might get some Notre Dame football coming up here. It's bowl season. Do a lot of writing for Belly Up Sports and soon to be 27 outs baseball. And don't forget, you can enter for one more week until December 21st to win a Deion Sanders Syracuse Chiefs bobblehead. Go to my Twitter page, like, retweet, comment on the pinned tweet. For three entries, maybe you'll be the lucky winner. Ryan, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. We've been communicating back and forth, uh, talking about this, so I'm glad we can make it happen during your busy schedule and during my schedule, which is not busy at all. Uh, So, again, we want to thank Brian for coming on the show, and we will see you guys next year. Have an awesome Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, and uh, keep following that baseball. See you.